0: everything elite the world's best and first aw podcast i may be that was physically painful i've pulled a muscle like my right lat and like using a lot of energy to talk is painful nate uh any aches and pains you're dealing with bud
1: uh no no aches and pains currently Uh, i do of course know the feeling of Just getting a a minor muscle pull for no reason at all, because we are about that age. Uh, But no, none at the moment.
0: Okay, that's good news. I mean, I Mm -hmm. don't want that for anyone. I did some stretches earlier, and then I iced the muscle.
1: The Vikings, of course, always knew the importance of stretching. Did they? Before a big battle. Okay. Makes that's sense. Just a, that's just a far side cartoon that I quoted.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I
2: I thought you were being a little bit tools
1: heard of it.
0: <laughs> I was very confused, I'm sorry to say. Um uh, what else? Bats are not bugs. That's Calvin and Hobbes. I hope there's some Far Side and Calvin Hobbes fans out there in the EE verse. If you're not a Farsight or Calvin
1: and Hobbes fan, then I am not for you.
0: Damn. Damn. Um, Mike, you're here.
2: Do you have any <laughs> aches and pains you'd like to discuss with our listeners? You know, for once, I don't have one. You know, I'm the one that usually we trust to just sneeze and freeze up my neck for three weeks. I didn't think it was going to be you, Big Cat. So... I, I'm operating at peak performance right now. Uh, wow. Nate, how are your plants doing? We haven't asked about them for a while. Oh, wow. How are your plants?
1: Uh, the pa- the plants in my bedroom uh, are probably underwatered. I haven't watered them in a while. And, of course, I keep looking at their their little bases uh, and being like, oh, I got to water those. But, of course, I only do this when I go into my bedroom at you know midnight. So then it's like, well, I'm... I've got to go to sleep now. I definitely can't take the four seconds it would take to water these. Uh, but they're still green. Um, let's see, my my succulents here in the office, all looking pretty healthy. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to be alive and well. You know, there's probably a point coming when I'm supposed to, like, repot all these things and sure. get some fresh soil in there. Um, but that's, uh, you know, coming up against my inherent laziness. So we're, we're going to see how that goes.
0: Like I said, does it sound like something you would do?
1: No. Um I don't if I could pay somebody to come do it for me, that would be that would be ideal. Of course I hey. did uh famously give up doing my own laundry recently. That's um, right. Which has become a problem because you know, now now theoretically I need to take my laundry bags to the cleaner and the, the weather is just Awful and only getting worse tomorrow, and and that's no fun to do, carrying heavy laundry and and trying to get it clean while I'm outside in the inclement weather.
0: They should come pick it
1: up. you know, that does exist. There are even franchises of the chain that I go to that does pick up laundry service and then they wash it and they just bring it back to you. But uh, none in my area. I did do that when I lived in New York, as I would— and now it's like even you know, more reasonably priced As you pay some money and you put all your shit in a laundry bag and somebody comes to your door and you hand it to them and then they come back in a few hours and give it back to you.
0: How about you uh, get an Uber, You know, put in the address of the, plate, you know, the laundry place and just give mm-hmm. them your bag of laundry. See if they'll drop it off for you.
1: I have never uh, gotten an Uber before.
0: Really? Never?
1: Yeah, never gotten, I mean, I've been in Ubers, certainly been in, you know, plenty of other people's Ubers, but I've never, never had the app installed. I was, when my last car broke down and I, you know, got it towed to the service place and ended up having to get a new car. Um, I was, you know, at the mechanic or whatever. And I was like, Hey, so do you, uh, is there like a cab company you recommend or something so I can get to work? I'm like, uh, no, I think we just do ubers or whatever i was like well i don't i don't know how to do an uber <laughs> they just killed cabs no more cabs
0: yeah cabs are dead now i
1: was actually i i think i did actually just you know google a cab company and, and took one but <laughs> probably took longer to get one yeah. out to where i was because i wasn't particularly near civilization
0: okay so if cabs are dead is fake taxi still around like is that is that website still going or or what Anybody
1: know? Do you know this website, Mike?
2: Yeah, I'm willing you to You mean the can't. cash cab? No, no, no. No, no. no, no. no fake taxi is a, is a cab, porn site,
0: Nate. That's yeah. the Bang
1: Bus. You're talking about the Bang Bus. No, no two different
2: things. Not this not is the the British. Bang bus. bang bus was Miami. This is, this is British? <laughs> yes, yeah. this is British.
0: You're watching British pornography, Aaron? <laughs> I mean, it just comes up on the tube site sometimes or whatever, and you know. I like a very put-on yeah, is... uh, gimmick from time to time. You know, it's like you get in the cab. Oh, wait. The cab driver actually uh, wants to have sex.
2: When, yeah, when, it got really, to
0: when it got really fucked up is when they started, they did the spinoff Female Fake Taxi, where the taxi driver was a woman.
1: Oh, so you think it's fucked up for a female to take the lead in a sexual relationship, Aaron?
0: No, I don't. I just think that it is... Uh, it strains credulity a little,
2: is is all I'm suggesting. Hmm. Are you saying that you've not experienced a woman driving a taxi cab? Is that your problem with this? Actually, I have not. I don't recall ever being in a taxi cab driven by a woman.
1: Uh, I read something recently talking about women driving taxis. Um, it was like a personal essay or something, and there was a woman who... Called the cab and got a female taxi driver and they're like, Oh, this is great. Like I'm coming home after a long night and I have a woman driving me home. And she was like, Hey, can I, uh, request this like specifically when I'm calling for a cab, she's like, no, cause then creepy men would do it all the time. And she's like, <laughs> yes. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like the inherent
0: problem with offering services to people is creepy men. Hey, great news. February 11, 2022. Fake taxi posted uh, a new, definite classic entitled "Big Old American Tits and Ass."
1: Okay, now did they? Is, is this an American? I don't. I don't care to know. Actually, <laughs> I was going to ask about the you know the visa situation here for getting a uh, <laughs> uh, an overseas I, sex worker onto the, sure. the fake cab, sure, uh, buddy.
2: I think you're putting way too much logic into this. No, yeah,
1: yeah
0: I'm moving on. I... Oh, okay. There's like six on the front page, of, you know, the, their newest videos, and the one that I'm just intrigued by, I need to know more about, is the sixth one. The title of the video, I mean, you got okay, big old American tits and ass. And
1: you're, you're you're getting dangerously close to uh, turning this away from our intent to be erudite, and and it's becoming a little sophomoric.
0: I'm sorry, I, I will not be erudite. Uh, I'm. <laughs> Arendite. We got big old American uh, tits and ass, Spanish Jesus. sex teacher masturbates. And then suddenly, this was just called Will You Sign My Cock?
2: <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I think literally taking a sharpie to someone's palace. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Love, yeah. Love. Thank you for, yeah, I appreciate the <laughs> clinical terms. And yeah, again, this is Aaron being shocked and upset by turning the ingrained misogyny of society on its head and saying, no, it's not going to be somebody signing a pair of breasts. We're going to have the fan, the man be the fan who gets his phallus, uh, John Hancocked. <laughs> oh God.
0: You're right. All right. Nate. Nate. I need to, I need Nate, that to, was good. that was good. Examine my, my inner misogynist. Your, yeah, your, your ingrained biases. Yeah. I'm, i i All right. I can't read any more of these on the show. This is a family show. I'm sorry to everyone who was playing this with their children present for that.
1: Which, yeah, I I think we do know happens. (laughs) We have heard about this before.
0: Surely to God, (laughs) when I start saying fake taxi, they will uh, fast forward. I I had never heard of it. I would
1: uh, presume there are probably many fine, upstanding uh, members of our listenership. I'd also have not heard of it. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> I don't buy I, it. I'm guessing
2: 50-50.
0: 50-50. This will be the next,
1: our next uh, our patron-exclusive poll. Have you heard <laughs> of Fake Taxi?
2: <laughs> hey, we need to update the scoreboard for this year. I, Aaron thinks that more people have heard of it than not. I think it's about 50-50. Nate thinks that it's a, lot, it's a smattering. Yes. Sure.
0: I prefer right. Odd Taxi also.
2: Mm. I, I prefer my, my taxis to be crazy, personally.
0: Let us know if you know about Fake Taxi on Twitter, at everything AEW. Or don't. Or don't. <laughs> no, no d-
2: you should let them know at Aaron like the car. Yes, the they I- the yeah. That's fine.
0: Tell me if you In fact, about- DM Aaron. No, don't DM me, please.
1: Actually, DM Aaron's work account.
0: <laughs> okay, I don't have a work account. <laughs> don't DM me. <laughs> about fake taxi unless you have like a password or something that you want to share then you can dm me about fake taxi because i've got to watch will you sign my cock there's just no <laughs> question about it gonna be googling that immediately after this show uh yes i am at Aaron like the car nate's at a do not dm him for sure mike is at fuji heya with two eyes. also dm mike about fake taxi i think
1: the only japanese spam accounts dm mike
2: yeah, oh, that's right. No. Yeah, I, sometime I need to open the message and see what they're actually saying because what well, if it's actually supposed to be like a Dragon Gate deep scoopster that I've just oh, been man. ignoring Ooh, yeah. for that long? Yeah, Could be. But then I could get fished. I don't you'd know.
1: Be like, you'd be like T-Pain missing his inbox on Instagram for 10 years, but it was all Dragon Gate scoops.
2: Man, that would be a bad fate for me.
0: How easily can you imagine... Nate, uh, Mike being the victim of some sort of catfishing scam, but it's someone pretending to have Dragon Gate scoops. Hmm. Scale of one to ten. One is uh, Mike would never fall for such a thing. Ten is Mike is already pulling out his credit card to type into the DM.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah I'm not worried about Mike's credit card information I feel like he would he would make that for a red flag right away you know i it's probably harder to do a Japanese language catfishing scheme now that we have deepL and it's like pretty easy to get good machine translation so that's gonna decrease the risk I think um yeah I, you know maybe a maybe a three.
2: Wow, you, you know what? I I think three is actually a pretty fair assessment. Thank you, Nate. I I would not fall for it easily, but you know, if, if they get the hooks in me, I could see it happening. You know, just like how if, it happens yeah, all if, the if time. If they get
1: the hooks in him, though, he's going to fall hard. He's going to be yeah. like, all the way in. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to go <laughs> south real fast if it if it happens. But you know, it's just three out of ten. You know, it's it's unlikely, but if it happens, it'll be bad.
0: Well, clearly, you should subscribe to our podcast. I think that's uh, been very obvious by this point in the show. Uh, just find us on whatever podcast app you use. Search Everything Elite. Um, my therapist asked me what the name of my podcast is, and I refused to tell her.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's... No,
1: no. So this, and it, this means you you brought your podcast up with your therapist.
0: <laughs> well, it just kind of... She was asking me to give her an example of something, and I was like, well, I have this podcast. She's like, oh, what's the name of your podcast? And I'm like, no. No. No, I will not be telling you that. And then this week, she made like an offhanded comment. You still haven't told me the name of your podcast. I am not telling you the name of my podcast. This will you, not you be You should happening. definitely
1: tell her now that you spent the first five minutes talking about porn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck. No. Actually, well, never mind. Okay. Subscribe to our podcast. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We got something very fun coming up uh, next week. Mike and I are going to record tomorrow. We'll talk about it later. Uh, We're going to kick off the show with a little news. We're going to switch it up. Nate, we have no one. Our patrons have heard a little bit of mine and Mike's thoughts about uh, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes apparently departing from AEW. Uh, Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes were unable to negotiate a new contract. Uh, Nate, your thoughts on Cody leaving AEW?
1: Yeah, Uh, a a little surprising, I guess, fairly surprising event to transpire. Um, Not utterly shocking, a little surprising. Um, I think in retrospect, it kind of made that incomprehensible feud with malachi black a little more interesting i think one of our fine patrons violent skipping did a thread where they went through all the promos in that story uh and they you know even that i think dead horse promo that we or i think more specifically aaron buried uh made a bit more sense in the context of oh they're talking about cody and his relationship to aew um so that's one element of it Uh, For AEW, I kind of think it's fine. You know, you maybe have a little bit of a hiccup because it's like, wow, one of our founding wrestlers, founding vice presidents uh, has left the company. Um, And maybe that's like a little optically less than ideal, but I don't. But even then, not significantly, Um, you know, it's not like, I mean, the first, I don't know what it was, hour of this show, I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) this company has a lot of big overstars in it, and they're just all coming out here one after the other. So, you know, it's not going to hurt the television in any meaningful way, I don't think. Cody certainly had the best matches of his career on this promotion, but there's a ton of guys who can have good matches. Um, there, you're going to miss an element. Maybe the biggest impact will be like the bizarre codiness of Cody. will give us a one fewer thing to talk about on a podcast where we're trying to make sense of his latest uh, over-the-top promo. And, you know, we'll have fewer strong opinions about that because it's just not there. But, you know, there's a ton of talent that hasn't gotten enough chances on AEW just because there's a glut of talent. So you open up a spot, you know, there's the, certainly an the next guy can stand up, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, For Cody and WWE, I mean, I, it's not going to make one lick of difference to the WWE what they do because they, you know, there's only one determining controlling factor in that company and it's Vince Man's writing and, whether Cody's there or not, is going to make zero difference to that. So that does, doesn't does matter. Uh, and Cody, I guess, will probably make more money, it sounds like. Sounds like he would be getting a big raise by jumping. And sounds like he was probably... Uh, you know, that was probably an element of him leaving AEW was them being outbid to retain him. Because um, it seems like they didn't uh, pick up their option on him. Um, and yeah, you know, he'll, he'll never... Never have as good a match again because, you know, he won't be able to do a Cody Rhodes bloodbath, which is all of his best matches. Um, he'll never have a a mic and a ring to himself again to just come up with whatever crazy, over-the-top, uh, big swing promo he can come up with because all of his promos will be pre-scripted and written. Um, so, yeah, he just kind of evaporates into... The WWE morass. Um, so yeah, you know, I it was big news for a day, and I think it everything just kind of moves on.
2: I I think that's kind of like the one thing that I was waiting to see is how quickly everything has moved on. It's not, and they didn't go out of their way tonight you know, to either bury or really go like, hey, thanks, Cody and Brandy, for the last three years. They just kind of acknowledged it, you know, like, oh, yeah, Cody had this match with Sammy. And, you know, TNT, the the first dog collar match was between Cody Rhodes and uh, Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT title. And I was like, that's all kind of, like, fitting. I, I got my main thoughts out on light this morning. I don't think really anything has changed over the last 12 hours, I would say. But just, like... That like the feeling of, oh, wait, everything kind of just moves on in a way that for such like an important figure, you know, especially like when you're talking about the first 18 months of the promotion. Like we could talk about everything after they got back to crowds as its own distinct thing, really, since the Agugo feud as its own thing. But it's just kind of like it was one of those things like, oh, yeah, things kind of move on and it's kind of. Interesting that the stuff that has come out since then, but nothing I would say surprising and I think Nate's pretty dead on about the situation he's entering I mean it, it's the big payday, and it's the uh thing that he wasn't going to get that money with the budget, I guess, so yeah, you know uh we just need to have someone to have to be able to bring codyism of chaotic characteristics to the show every week, and luckily, we got it this week with Matt Hardy so. We'll be fine. You're right,
0: Nate, that it's kind of moved on because I'm even like not as enthused as I was this morning about declaring how correct I was about uh Cody. Uh but yeah, when the crowd started booing him, you know, my take was Punk especially just kind of replaced his symbolic value to AEW, and certainly Brian Danielson also filled some of that role. Hell, I mean, John Moxley and he were there at the same time. But, you know, there's just like too many people now who filled that role of like a guy who WWE had misused and now he was getting a chance to shine uh, in this new company where wrestlers get to do what they're good at. And suddenly there just like wasn't a real reason to care about Cody in the same way anymore. And so Cody was going to have to find a new lane, uh, you know, a new role to fill. And he pretty well proved unable to navigate that. He wanted to keep doing similar things to what he was doing before, but the crowd didn't react in the same way. I mean, he did, you know, there were some slight changes, you know, variations on what he was doing as far as, you know, we all got to argue about whether he was, playing some sort of delusional character who thought he was a face, but he was actually a heel and all that stuff. But essentially, he's still doing the big swing promos. He's still doing the work shoot promos. He's still trying to be the ace uh, and, you know, represent the crowd. But they didn't care about him in the same way because, you know, we had so many other people that the crowd had a more organic uh, interest in than Cody. And that showed up, Apparently, it sounds like based on Wade Keller's reporting at contract negotiation time where Tony Khan is like, hey, I don't want to pay you like the tippy top guy because you're not the tippy top guy. So, you know, it the fact that the contract option wasn't picked up suggests that Tony wanted to pay less than the whatever the option was. Right. So we have to assume he was going to need to take a pay cut. Or that's what Tony Khan had in mind was that he would take a pay cut. And I'm sure Cody didn't want to do that. Now, I also agree with you, Nate, that I'm not sure optically it actually matters. But I can understand why if you're WWE, you're thinking, oh, this is like a big shot to grab their EVP and like, you know, the guy who's one of the people who started this promotion. So I can imagine why they would pay him a bunch of money and, you know, he'll get quietly released on a fucking Friday in two and a half years or whatever. Um, But, you know, it's going to end poorly. He is going to be, like, in the traditional sense, buried at every turn. You know, like, the commentary will bury him. They'll have people say, you know, mean shit about him in promos to fuck with him. And unless his heart has given out, he will job to Triple H at a WrestleMania eventually and that'll be about the end of Cody and WWE so you know if he's going to get paid uh congrats to him I feel confident we will see him in AEW again this is pro wrestling he will be (laughs) back and I'm fascinated to see what Cody looks like uh when this turns around again I I just
2: the whole optic thing I think it's optically only bad for people who don't really pay attention to the pro wrestling business i would say like my dad brought it up when i was talking to him and my dad like very cursory goes like oh yeah that's stuff that you know that that my son does a podcast about i'm gonna keep up on this and he like probably was like oh cody left and i was like yeah you know it seems bad to you but for like that i i don't know how quickly wwe is going to book him into the shitter just because of just because like, yeah, uh, Vince McMahon does have a problem with people getting over elsewhere coming in, but he also has weird respect for people who will walk out on him and come back. So it'll be interesting to see on that. But I mean, I think the end goal ends up or the end game ends up the same way. It's just how long until it happens, Aaron.
1: Yeah. And I think you made this point in the discord, Mike, that there's also the factor of, oh yeah, but He does respect people that tell him to fuck off and, uh, you know, go their own way or whatever. Uh, But he also does hate the Runnels family (laughs) Uh, and, you know, going back to Dusty's Dusty's ability to, uh, you know, make himself a star back in the day. I do. I find mostly and I think this is kind of always been true about Cody. I find the real guy, Cody, more interesting than I find most of what he does in wrestling, I think. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out now if I have some kind of sympathy for him. Um, and, and and to approach this, we're using the assumption that, you know, he was getting some kind of pay cut or something offered by AEW, because like we said, we're pretty sure Tony Khan had options and all the EVPs where Tony Khan could unilaterally say, Hey, you're signed with me for another year. You don't really get any say in the matter. Uh, and that did not happen. Um, We also know, you know, he came in as an executive vice president with some kind of booking authority, with some kind of backstage authority. Uh, And since it seems like Tony has basically taken that all for himself, um, you know, maybe that's how you justify the pay cut. Say, hey, you're not doing the EVP role now, so I'm not going to, you know, pay you X amount more. Um, So. You know, he is the guy, and, and what you were talking about, Aaron, about how we needed to find some new lane to represent what he represented when he started this company. Um, and the only time he really, I think, zoned in on that was in the very weird Pipe Bomb promo that he did, uh, <laughs> where he was like, hey, I did all those fucking things that CM Punk said, maybe I'll do. When CM Punk, you know, cut the pipe bomb promo uh, and, you know, laid out this vision for a better world where the WWE doesn't run and control everything and he can go and do other things or whatever. Uh, CM Punk, uh, you know, ultimately took his ball and went home. And I, Cody Rhodes, I'm the guy that actually went out there and did all these things and built this. Um, And that's the most interesting thing about him as a wrestling character. And he touched about it. He touched on it in that one promo, uh, you know, basically his last promo. Uh, and they never got to the fireworks factory on that. Um, but that was the interesting thing. And I'm kind of sympathetic to him for that because he did do it. He is the guy that went out and did that. CM Punk didn't do it. Uh, you know, however many other guys just re-signed Brian Danielson, just re-signed with the WWE. Um, and Cody was the guy who's okay, no, I'm going to leave and I'm not going to just go out and do big time wrestling and and new dates. I'm going to go and I'm going to, join up with the Bucks and these guys and and try to change the wrestling world uh, and it came true so I'm kind of sympathetic to him for that reason and I don't know, I guess ultimately my feeling is I, I can't really be sympathetic for somebody that's making whatever, you know, if he's making Kevin Owens $3 million, $4 million uh, then it's like okay, I don't care if the WWE treats you like shit, I don't care if they take petty little shots at you um, you know, even if you did X and Y to to set up AEW and, and improve American wrestling on a big scale. Um, you know, you're getting your desserts. Now you're getting your money and you're going to be set up with your family, uh, until the sunbirds out. So whatever. Um, but I, I, I am just kind of interested by who that guy is, um, because I don't really know. Um, and it's hard to say uh, the, the stuff. And I didn't actually follow the Wade report. I, I didn't even have that much interest in it, I guess. But, you know, the idea of him is the guy who uh, posts up in his private bus and doesn't engage. um, But also is the guy who seems like he's, you know, kind of a a forward facing good guy with the fans and, you know, doing the community outreach and, uh, you know, doing all these decent things uh, on an individual level. Um, Those are kind of an interesting contrast to me. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, I guess most of, you know, if we go back to, I always had a suspicion that Cody was not really, you know, we, we've known that he and like the other vice presidents have have not been like very close guys or whatever since basically the, the company began. But I think really the first time I saw it was the day that all in sold out and they posted a video of all the guys celebrating their instant sellout, even in that video where it's like, you know, the young bucks big smiles on their faces and looking at their phones and hugging each other. Uh, and they go to hug Cody and hug, Cody gives them like very clinical hugs and is not looking, not making eye contact with them all. He's just kind of looking off and like basically looking like he's big timing them. Um, even since then, my radar has kind of been like, yeah, you know, I, I think he, just has like his grand, his own grand plan. Uh, and it ended up paying off in this instance. Um, except now he's got to subject himself to Vince McMahon's grand plan. And that is, you know, <laughs> no plan at all, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, I would like to see, you know, the young bucks had a book. They wrote a book. I saw an excerpt of their book. Somebody quoted that was all about how Cody was, you know, not even necessarily on board with AEW when they were starting it up and getting it running. He was not, you know, in from the beginning, like the Bucks were. Um, I, yeah, I hope somebody writes a book about this sometime because I'd i would I'd be interested to know more about Cody, the backstage worker, I suppose. Uh, to touch on Brandy, and this was really my only thought on this for the first 12 hours. Uh, what in the hell was the Brandy and Van Lambert thing? What was that? Where was that going? Yeah. Why did they do that? uh it makes it didn't make any sense to begin with now it makes even less sense uh unless it was like a, a conniving political thing to make people like her even less before <laughs> showing her the door but that i don't think that was the intent it doesn't that it didn't seem like a sour move because uh, you know she appeared to be a catalyst of it really so that's
2: all yeah i i just i'm still wrapping my head around the Lambert Paige Van Zant thing and the only thing that like makes sense is that you don't want to like rock the boat while they I mean apparently they're negotiating up until Monday. So you know you you keep the plates spinning, but like in retrospect it just feels like what was going on here? Like why did this make TV if if unless it was keeping up appearances and putting forth like honest negotiation. It's insane. You know, like like it's one of those things that I think in a lot of ways, like Cody's kind of right off, we will be like, like, oh yeah, no, he ended on a five star match, the like in you know, this way. But like Brandy's is right off of, uh, getting in a pull apart par- brawl, with bare knuckle boxer, Paige Van Zant. is just going to be one of those, like really weird footnotes, in AEW history.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you first said, Nate, it it's like you, you kill the heat of your, basically your top heel, and for what, you know, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I mean, it, Cody somehow, that's the whole, that's one of like the strangest things about the whole EVP thing is you saw everyone lose power and Kenny and the Bucks, it felt like, you know, in a different way, Cody always felt like he was booking his own shit. He could do whatever he wanted. It never felt like the Bucks and Kenny could just do anything they wanted. And I, I don't know what that, what that power dynamic was or what was going on there, but that's all I can figure is that they were still just doing what they wanted regardless. And no one could say no.
1: Yeah. And that is, uh, I mean, there was also reports that, you know, part of him losing that power is, is part of what was motivating him to not want to be there, which is like, okay. Um, and yeah. it kind of touches on another point, which is that he did always seem to be confined to his own, uh, you know, little universe on the show. His segments had like a different tone, Than the rest of the show, you know, even just because he was there, and then there was like just kind of a limited list of guys that he, you know, he did the Pentagon match, and it was like, oh, Cody's, Cody's kind of grabbing a wild card here, and he's having a match with Pentagon. That's like a Joker, not somebody. Yeah, (laughs) that's not. It's the Prince. No, Prince is not a fucking playing card. Um, the he's grabbing somebody from outside the deck and actually having a match with him. That's kind of novel. Um, but that was, you know, not common. And somebody else did post a, a long list of all the Cody matches. We never got in AW and it's like, oh, like some interesting matches in there and some of their top wrestlers and biggest stars and Cody, you know, never crossed paths with them. Uh, and it did make, you go, hmm, maybe, maybe there are some matches that they need to book and do before you lose the opportunity. Cause you, I guess you, you can't guarantee anything. Uh, especially if WWE thinks that they're getting a big coup by signing somebody away from you. Um, Which, yeah, to touch on that, uh, I I, I just don't think any coups matter. Nothing they do really matters because it all just goes to the Vince filter. Uh, And I don't really get their philosophy of paying top guys a bunch of money and then like cutting 50 guys underneath, cutting guys like Keith Lee or... Uh, uh, Malachi Black or Buddy Murphy who are on this show, like, cause they just book like somebody like Kevin Owens into Oblivion anyway. So why pay him $3 million when you could pay 50 NXT guys and maybe just get lucky with one of them even while you're booking them to Oblivion too? Uh, but that's why I'm not a big time player in business like Nick Khan
0: I forget who said this, but I, Want your take on this, guys? It's like the so the last Cody promo, you know, the the pipe bomb promo. Someone said, like someone suggested that it was Cody trying to do. Was it you, Nate?
1: It was me, Aaron.
0: That it was Cody trying to do his own version of the pipe bomb to, like, you know, generate the kind of interest that the pipe bomb did, such that it would, I don't know, make Tony Khan have to give him the money he wanted. Uh, I basically love that theory and believe it. And now accept it as fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, that was the story of the pipe bomb was seeing punk's contract was genuinely expiring and he went out and cut this promo, made himself into a huge star. And then WWE had to give him, you know, more money uh, and really whatever other terms were within the realm of possibility. But You know, he never could have commanded otherwise, which, uh, you know, they gave him licensed music, which they never do for literally anyone. Uh, And he got licensed music uh, and it ended up biting them in the ass, uh, which is funny. Uh, And yeah, that's it. Cody was, like Mike said, still in negotiations uh, with AEW at that point. So they gave him a live mic and said, hey, go out there and take weird shots at Brody King and uh, say bizarre things that nobody can understand about Jay Lethal uh, and, you know, just cut a shoot promo or whatever. And, you know, you have to imagine the best case scenario for that is, okay, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to cut such a fucking promo that I'm going to become as over as CM Punk. Uh, and then they'll have to give me, you know, whatever I want. They'll have to, to, to give me more money than I was making or give me a matching deal at a WWE or something. Uh, and yeah, he just didn't do it. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, the, the flip side of that is like, well, it was a weird promo, but, uh, you know, the meat of the thing that was there, the, the real fundamental core of that promo was, I'm the guy that CM Punk said he was, and wasn't actually, that was me. He cut the promo. I did the work. Uh, and that would have been a great program, but you know, uh, the rest of it was too weird. <laughs>
0: Maybe now he's going to come out and cut that promo on WWE television about uh, how he's the actual CM Punk.
2: Oh, God. Do you think he's going to, like, they're going to let him go safeties off on his first promo? I mean, no, but
0: but Vince might let him just talk shit about CM Punk. I mean, I could imagine that.
2: (laughs) That is true, man. I got excited imagining what Codyism could be on WWE Raw. Like that. There's could only be... one
1: ism on WWE Raw, and it's McMahonism.
0: That's
2: yeah, correct. that's true. And, that's and true. racism. <laughs> that's that's
0: also true. That,
1: uh, sexism, I forgot <laughs> sexism. That's yeah. true. There's yeah.
0: actually a lot of yeah. isms on yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. WWE Raw. Now that you think about it. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, I think that's uh talk about Cody. I sh- should we just get into this show? Okay. That's fine. Yep. Good show. All right, we'll just talk. Yeah, it was an excellent show. I mean, it was. Somebody said the best show since Grand Slam. I didn't think about it that hard, but I'm just going to agree with Mm -hmm. it anyway.
1: No, that's a no for me because you had Adam Page matches that peaked much higher since then. You had at least two of them, I think.
2: But did the the rest of the show resonate? Like, there was not a stinker Mm -hmm. segment on this show. Like, if we did, yeah,
1: there there wasn't. And it was, it was definitely the quickest show since Grand Slam. It flew by. Absolutely. Right. But every, you know, any one of those Adam page matches, I'm going to remember for much longer than I'll remember this show.
0: For sure. That's I just need like top to bottom, like as an enjoyable experience of watching two hours of television. I can't remember the last show that I've enjoyed as much as this one. Hmm. For sure. All right. Well, we'll run through it. Uh, it, kicked off with CM Punk in the ring and his little his little sitting stance that he does. Uh, crisscross applesauce, I think the kids say. He says, basically the promo is that MJF's whole deal is ripping off his straight edge character, but he's just shitty little Max from shitty little Long Island. And he has decided to pick Revolution, as the uh, date and location for his MJF rematch. Uh, He wants us to know. At first, he's saying, oh, maybe I'll put it in a cage. And he says, believe it or not, I've won more cage matches than I've lost, which I thought was a funny line from uh, Punk. And he keeps bringing up, you know, MJF seeing himself as Piper in Portland. You want to be tethered to Piper in Portland? You're going to have to be tethered to me. It's going to be a dog collar match. He calls out MJF. MJF comes to the top of the ramp, but he... Just can't bring himself to say anything. He drops the mic and walks out. Yeah, I knew you were gonna
1: like this segment because MJF didn't promo. So I knew that would be a big plus for you, Aaron. Sure. Um and yeah, Punk's promo, very good. The you know, he had a bigger idea here in this than just, you know, kind of doing the punchlines and pot shots kind of stuff at each other that they've been doing some of the previous weeks in this feud. Uh, I mean he still had some good You know, digs at MJF that he got in uh, to get the big reactions. But uh, love sort of the continuity about, you know, bringing up his original straight edge catchphrase and how MJF just kind of, you know, did his own version of that. Uh, I thought the guys even copy how I sit line was interesting because there appears to be some kind of feud going on uh, between Gabriel Kidd and Daniel Garcia about sitting in the ring with with your legs crossed right now. Uh, And it's about Shibata and it's not about Punk, but Punk's like, hey, I also sit in the ring. Um, And then, yeah, you know, uh, very appropriate, uh, the same thing, Punk's career continuity, going to the dog collar here match here. Uh, So, yeah, this is a a great step forward for the feud.
2: Yeah, this was really like we had the big rising action with the previous match and you know i thought like just kind of getting it really kind of rooted with punk sitting there crisscross applesauce and you know just doing what punk is does best especially when he doesn't have to worry about mjf being the cheapy elemental it was solid stuff and mjf you know for being that kind of uh talker i guess for lack of better words you know i felt like him being shocked by it and him being you know Showing fear for the first time, really, in his time in AEW. I thought it was all kind of fitting and deserved.
0: Yeah, Punk actually seemed mad. Like, the person seemed, like, fired up and I'm going to kick your ass. Whereas a lot of the other parts of this feud have just felt, like, put on, like, oh, now I'm going to do, as you were saying, Nate, like, here's my little pot shots. But these felt more the part of the fabric, of the promo, like part of actual hatred between these two characters. So yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the dog collar match, that was a great way to tie things together, you know, from earlier in the few, that's a good idea. It should be fun. I mean, that sounds like uh, a cool match. Obviously there's been one great dog collar match in this company. And if they are, you know, if punk is going to call back to Piper and Valentine, uh, then, I assume he will be mindful of how that match was laid out uh, as they're working uh, to lay out this match. So I'm excited about it. That's like a very cool match to be, I guess, the first full match announced for Revolution and uh, not your main event, but certainly going to be one of the most important matches as they're trying to, uh, you know, draw eyeballs to the show. So very good segment. Then we had a a little video recapping the uh, Danielson and Moxley thing uh, from last week where, you know, Brian was trying to get Mox to join him. That went into uh, Jurassic Express and Christian backstage, basically just letting us know that there's some stuff coming up to get their challengers for Revolution.
2: A lot of jokes about three-way sex.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there were three-way jokes. Then we had, frankly, another uh, match just filled with sexual tension. Brian Danielson versus Lee Moriarty. Danielson won with a triangle sleeper. Uh, Well, let's talk about the match first because the post-match was kind of its own thing.
2: Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: The match was good. Uh, You know, very neat to book this match in the first place. Uh and then, you know, had a very solid outing, I thought, with um some novel stuff that got over the I don't even know what they were. They tied up in each other's legs and doing a headstand and striking each other that the crowd really got into. Um and, you know, I like Danielson basically in this the, the this match and really just where these two guys are, you know, effectively established what the story of this match and this program and this, uh, thing that Brian Danielson is doing is that was a weird sentence. Uh, but basically, <laughs> you know, Danielson is saying, I need to teach Lee Moriarty violence. Like, Hey kid, you're good. You know, you, you've got some of the fundamentals, you know, your, uh, technical transitions, uh, but you don't know violence. And that's basically borne out in the match. Cause you can see the little differences where it's like, I mean, they're not that little, they're pretty significant differences where it's like Danielson fucking smacks him in the face. Uh, and you know, does a, a spinning forearm spinning elbow, uh, and fucking cracks him in the jaw. And then Lee Moriarty comes back and does his own slaps. And it's like, well, he's slapping him in the, in the jaw and neck. Uh, and you can just see the difference or like, oh, Lee Moriarty is supposed to learn violence, uh, through the course of this match. Uh, and he's got Danielson prone on his face and he's laying in forearms and he's just like, well, <laughs> you know, He's, he's striking with the forearms and, you know, they're technically sound or whatever. Uh, but he's not trying to hurt the guy. He's trying to protect the guy. Whereas Danielson's like, you know, I'm going to have a good fucking match. I don't care if I protect you or not. I'm going to fucking hit you. Uh, and you just, you can see the disparity there. Uh, and not even criticizing that because that's exactly what the, what the story of this match was is that, you know, you're you're a kid. You don't know violence yet. I'm going to smack the shit out of you. Um So, I I don't know. I don't know. Does Lee Moriarty learn, like, hey, you know, just fucking elbow this guy in the head. I know he's had brain bleeding and whatever, uh, but he's Brian Danielson. He's a freak animal, uh, and you can just hit him in the head. Um, I don't know if he learns that here, but anyway, it was very compelling television.
2: Yeah, no, uh, this was exactly what I hoped this match would be. And it played really into each other's strengths and made Danielson just not going to hold back. Lee being able to like, all right, I can do anything well <laughs> that Danielson wants to do. I'm game for it. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that this was the opening match on the show when you consider the remainder of the card. And it was a pretty stacked card. Like that there was something for everyone on this show. Like starting off with this and then going into like pretty involved grappling and then the headstands and elbowing each other in faces, especially like the elbows that Lee through like that, that that's not going to be the kind of thing that I mean, could be proven wrong, you know, less than 18 hours from now, but it does not seem like the kind of thing that would retain big bang viewership to be honest, but it was really sick. I, I absolutely adored it. I thought that this was exactly what I was hoping for with this match.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting match in that I liked it a lot. I thought it was excellent. And this is not a criticism. But it also highlighted that Lee Moriarty is not anywhere near Brian Danielson's level as a wrestler. And, like, who is? You know, that's whatever. But you're exactly right, Dave, because that's the – I mean, there was some stuff early on where Lee – I know that he's not, like, too slow in the ring – But there was like some weird pacing early on in the match that, I mean, frankly, I'm going to give Danielson the benefit of the doubt and assume that it was Moriarty that was uh, a step or two slow or whatever, you know, he was just off a little bit. But yeah, the biggest difference was the fucking strikes. And it's really, I think if you're Brian Danielson, you have not only is he just, you know, uh, very dumb and will just do anything because he doesn't care. He just wants to, like, have a great wrestling match above, you know, all else, regardless of any consequences. But it also speaks to, like, the hard-won confidence of being who he is and having done it at such a high level for so long that Lee Moriarty simply cannot have. You know, it would be unearned were Lee Moriarty to have that level of confidence. So it's so fun to see a match that shows you how good someone is while showing you how far they have to go. And I just hope we get to see, I hope Danielson sticks around long enough that we get to see the match where Lee Moriarty has taken it up another level and can uh, show it against him in the ring.
1: And if we get that, then we can revisit this segment where that was exactly the subject of John Moxley's promo, where he said 10 years ago, I was the young kid who was hungry and you were the best wrestler in the world and you came in here uh, and I had a match against you and I couldn't beat you and you were better than me uh, and that continued for the 10 years prior uh, and now maybe we're going to get that match where, hey, maybe now I'm as good as you and I'm on your level. Um, the, and then you you tie that right back into this Lee Moriarty match. That'd be sick.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, We let's go into that part afterwards. Uh, Danielson says... He came out here to teach Lee Moriarty a thing or two about violence, asked the crowd if he passed or failed. The crowd kind of initially seemed to go with pass, but they were pretty meh as uh, this went on. But Danielson just hit us with, uh, that's why he doesn't trust the American public on anything. Uh, But then he wanted an answer from Mox. So Mox comes out. uh, You mostly summarize what happened, but I did want to shout out the, uh, the Tracy Smothers mention, of course, from John Moxley, apparently Danielson was late for the show due to a delayed flight. So they uh, brought out Tracy Smothers to kill some time. I love that. Uh, But yeah, he reminded us that he has never beaten Brian Danielson. Uh, He was excited when Danielson got there so he could slay the one dragon. He never could. Uh, But then he starts talking about how Danielson doesn't want to fight him. He wants to join forces. And he thought that was a pretty good idea. Couldn't think of a reason not to do it. But then he started wondering, maybe it's because Danielson is scared to stand across from him in the ring. And I love this line. And if that's the case, then I've already beaten Brian Danielson. I thought that was excellent. Uh, So he says, you want to team up because of what we could create or because you don't want to get destroyed? Not saying yes, not saying no. Going to leave it up to you because I don't stand side by side with nobody till I bleed with them first. This was like real Mox's back shit. This was. Oh, yeah. Maybe his best promo in the company. I mean, this was excellent.
1: Would not go that far, for sure. Uh, but I, I did definitely feel like he had his mojo back here. I think even from the second he walked in from his entrance, it didn't feel like put on Moxley swagger. It felt like Moxley feeding off the crowd. A very good crowd in Nashville tonight. Uh, and he just came out uh, with all the, the charisma and confidence. Um, and then, yeah, the great promo. Great, you know... Uh, great content of the promo uh, feeding into this feud that they're doing. Um, you know, crowd with him the whole time. He even exited the ring cool at the end. Uh Yeah, this was, you know, tremendous.
2: Yeah, no, this was sick. Uh Shouts to Chillicothe, Ohio, where Tracy Smothers had to buy time for Brian Danielson to make a play on flight. That was really neat. I just liked like the idea that Moxley uh, it, treating AWS text and reading the text, he is. This lines up completely with everything Moxley's ever done. This promotion that it wasn't until after him and Eddie had their feud and Eddie saved him from the sparklers that then he was willing to stand by side by him. So you know, I think that that was looks like a nice wrinkle and you know, another potential huge match for Revolution. I mean, just like the stuff that they've done in the show in general to set up Revolution was very impressive considering their their standard treatment of pay-per-views up until two weeks before. Wait, it is two weeks before revolution. Fuck. <laughs> I completely just handicapped my own point. Yeah, no, it's exactly two weeks before revolution. No, three, no two. Damn it. Forget, forget this last minute. He's going
1: full Meltzer on the pod folks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I'm looking at the, at the bottom of our show doc where Aaron very nicely has our upcoming show schedule here. And you have the full card for Rampage, and that threw me off for a second. We have four shows until five shows. Five shows, like I said definitively. There are five shows between now <laughs> and Revolution from March sixth, which is you know the sixth day of the third month in the year twenty twenty two. Of course, that is uh, B C E or ce you know the common era B-C-E. or also now it's, also known. it's not
0: bce right
2: <laughs> well, well it is C.E. but of course before that it was known as Anno Dunamini. so there we go
0: i'm clipping this for sure this is going up on, <laughs> on twitter
2: you see to explain the joke i i made a fuck up and i decided let's play into it and just steer right into the skid, and you know comedy gold
0: my my thing about why i think And you know, I haven't like gone back and watched all his promos to think about it. But the reason I'm saying I think it might have been his best was just, Box always has that. He has a great vibe, but sometimes he just has that kind of weirdness, like that thing where he slings his shoulders, and you're like, "Is this real?" Or like, "Is it not?" And this all felt just real as shit. There was never a time when I was like.
1: I, the promo where he came back like two weeks ago was better and he told the guy to fuck off and he said he eats his demons or whatever or he kills no way. him. No that, way. Was, that was so much better. Thirsty for blood? Yeah. That was better in recent memory. He had a bunch of sick pre-tapes uh, last year that I think were all better. This was like totally great and functional and did exactly what it should have done and advanced the story in a good way but you know, it's it, you know, not especially memorable.
0: This is my kind of promo. I will, I will remember you. All right, MPW Rise <laughs> Up, two thousand seven, Mad Pro Wrestling, Chillicothe, Ohio. Brian Danielson defeated John Moxley ten minutes and twenty seconds. Also on this card, Drake <laughs> Younger defeating Madman Pondo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, this sounds like a two thousand. What do you say? This was. <laughs> 2011? 2007. Oh, 2007. Yes, no, this yeah. is very 2007. Yeah. <laughs> Haley oh, yeah. hatred defeated Mary Elizabeth. Right, yeah. Yeah, keep on going. Uh, do we have American <laughs> kickboxer on that show? No, but we do have Irish Airborne, David There and we J. go. Oh, David we <laughs> Well, they weren't there. It was like Crazy and Lotus at one point. <laughs> Who are then, all the
1: canceled people on that show? Younger, obviously uh yeah. dave chris and maybe jake Christ. Uh, uh but not as canceled as dave is <laughs> hailey Haley hatred feels like she's probably canceled right
2: well <laughs> she just, she just hatred, disappeared yeah oh. no she was the the uh, wrestler who in her first match did like a very unsafe uh a chair bump with mickey knuckles ian got flipped out she disappeared oh, she went was to japan that? yeah yeah she okay. went to japan had a great career in japan given the time of what joshi wrestling was and then left japan and disappeared
1: I might have been thinking of Haley J. Uh,
0: okay. I mean, Haley J is not canceled. Shut the fuck up. Wow.
2: Isn't wow. she? Yeah, I think she's very canceled, but... Ugh.
0: I have never... Obviously, I've never seen Haley
1: J, but, uh, you know, word on the discourse is she's just doing a Rachel Dolezal gimmick.
2: I yeah. I mean, her full, her full <laughs> wrestling name is the Hollywood Haley J. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood I know, Hollywood. everybody. <sighs> right, let's know.
0: Here's... Al Snow, she's in fucking do not, Mid-South. I, do, not I mount the, in do
2: not mount the defense right now. I not OVW. She's from OVW, though. Well,
0: that, that That's makes where sense. She... I'm, I'm not going to yeah. mount a defense. Here's my thing about Hollywood Haley J. In a DM that we're all in, I tried to make... Hollywood Haley J into a character and it failed. And then fucking Drew Spears has now
2: succeeded at making her a character in that DM. And it makes me so angry. Well, Drew's actually like trained in comedy. You're right, he's and a comedy
1: professional, Aaron.
2: Yeah, yeah. You just make jokes that pop up quietly.
1: <laughs> I know you do a joke of the week and we do have a Patreon, but that does not make you a comedy professional.
0: Look, uh, one Murder Brian recently replied to one of my tweets to say it was very funny. So I think that speaks for itself, folks. That that is a professional comedian. I've seen the man do stand up comedy, basically. Hmm. I paid Drew. I've seen, I didn't I've seen Drew, was, I've seen Drew do
1: stand up comedy.
0: Sure. I'm, improv comedy. I'm not saying Drew isn't a professional comedian. He certainly is. I'm just I saying just,
1: it, I don't know if Drew still does stand up, but I saw him do stand up in college.
0: I don't know, but He's the character guy. I know that for sure. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anyone else canceled on this show. Uh, you can't cancel Tracy Smothers because he's dead. Uh, but Tracy well, was on the show. The bail- well, his
1: death did bail him out in that regard, I suppose.
0: Absolutely.
1: Redeem Redemption through death. <laughs> that, that's right. Oh, So they should name this stable um, creation through violence. Oh. That was the theme
0: of this promo. I can only find that they've... For
1: violence begets creation. No, that's not as good. I can only find
2: that they've ever had three singles
1: matches. The violent creation connection.
2: <laughs> and you refuse to watch one of the matches when I present it for This Is John Moxley. Yes, one of them. The, the last one was in DGUSA. So they never had a singles match in
0: WWE? No. That seems... No. no. They, Insane. Uh,
1: John Moxley did win a match against him in WWE, but a uh, Cubs fan... Pulled the show recap and it was with a bunch of stupid WWE hijinks or whatever. Uh, and so he didn't count it or something.
0: Well, it doesn't show up on Cage Match at all.
1: Uh, maybe it was not a one-on-one match. All I saw was the little the little thumbnail uh, that said that Danielson applied the no exclamation lock, uh, and I'm just like, that's really fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, the no lock. I agree. The they no those. team hell no. They were feuding forever, so I just assumed there were some singles matches in there. All right. That happened. There was a Keith Lee pre-tape. Folks, he's going to win the ladder matches, what, what he wanted us to know. And he used a lot of uh, big words. Okay, great. Face of the Revolution qualifier match, Wardlow versus Max Caster. Wardlow won with the Powerbomb Symphony. After the match, Bowens attacked Wardlow. He also ate a Powerbomb.
2: I thought this was this was great, you know. I mean, this is exactly what it should have been. And you know, Bowen's took a sick power bomb, bump. like the way that Bowen solved that power bomb was really cool. So I thought this was pretty effective.
1: I didn't really watch this. I was trying to edit a video of uh, Wardlow coming out with the "This Is War" stinger, and then a cutting to uh, Chono's NWO Crash theme to replace his current theme music with arena effects, so you'd have the live crowd. Uh, and then I gave up after like six minutes.
2: They should let Wardlow come out in the Hummer like Chono did.
1: Yes, he should come out in the Hummer with the NWO crash music. Um, yeah. And then he should powerbomb people a lot.
2: Th- they Ward- should just reenact Onita versus Chono from the wrestling, from the dome. You know, uh, John Moxley versus uh, Wardlow an exploding barbed wire match.
0: Yeah, there we go. Done. Should for sure do that. Wardlow should drive the fake Hummer.
2: Are What's you referring to Hummer? Yeah, is this the WCW Hummer or the new one that's released that as like a two ton battery.
0: This was a fake taxi joke.
2: Fake Hummer. Oh, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> okay. But it's Wardlow in this scenario driving the fake Hummer. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so it turns out that Cage Batch just didn't recognize Dean Ambrose and Daniel Bryan as being John Moxley and Brian Danielson. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> they had, of course, they had seven singles matches yeah. in WWE. Uh, one does say Dean Ambrose defeats Daniel Bryan by disqualification on SmackDown. All right. Not a yeah. cl-
2: clean win, you know? Yeah. I mean, so,
0: yeah, according is, to uh, our good German friends at Cage Match, no wins by John Moxley. All right. Uh, Britt baker you've heard of her mercedes martinez jamie Hader, and rebel were backstage brit reminds mercedes not to lose uh martin cove comes out brit says what should i do if she loses he says finish her no mercy
2: god blo- uh, good for martin cove you know what i mean Cobra Kai is is flying high right now, getting all the great corporate synergy and ad money from their obvious ad placements. In the Most recent season, but you know Martin Cove just like I guess he lives in Nashville, maybe like I'm like the reasoning to have Martin Cove come out is a very wild thing in respect to one of the, the best action villains of the 1980s. Like Martin Cove just. Showing up at Dynamite is just, like, a bizarre thing that I think they should have more of. Like, got to see, like, what—Carl Weathers is still with us, right? Like, we can still get Carl Weathers to show up, I think.
0: I have no idea. I'm looking it up. Uh, yes,
2: Carl Weathers, alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to bring out Carl Weathers, you know? I mean, I think that they've got a vein to tap into of 80s action stars. I
1: yeah, I think stay- this guy's shirt indicates that he may, he may live in Nashville.
2: Sure. Makes sense then. Yeah. It seems like a Martin Cove kind of town, Nashville, I would say. Not knowing a single thing about Martin Cove other than his television and film roles. Yeah, uh,
1: sure. You, I, you made a tweet about talking about Martin Cove and I thought you were going to come in as a Martin Cove super fan and have, uh, you know, be like, oh, I, I love all the Karate Kid shit.
2: I mean, he is one of the greater villains of the recent ages, as I'm going to go right into more Marko stuff. I mean, he was in Death Race 2000, Nero the Hero there. He was in White Line Forever in 1975. He was in Rambo Part 2. He was in Rambo First Blood Part 2, which, I mean, he, was, I mean, what else needs to be said there? He, he's been in Crocodile 2, Death Swamp, The Curse of the 49er, Max Havoc, Ring of Fire, Illusion Affinity. You know, I mean, one of the greatest actors the dog who saves Summer. I mean, Elvis from Out of Space, I mean, his most recent role. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, congratulations on the brand partnership.
2: Yeah, so uh,
0: this episode of Everything Elite is brought to you by our friends at Martin Cove. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Adam Page was in the ring. Adam Cole interrupted. Uh. So they did this thing about is there a
1: grotto at Notre Dame. Do you know about this, Aaron? Indiana,
0: a grotto, a grotto. <laughs> I'm sure there is. You're sure there's a grotto at Notre Dame? Yeah, it's that's that's very Catholic.
1: A grotto is Catholic? Is this where that? Okay, yeah. I guess that explains. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, grotto of Our Lady of Lords.
1: Okay. I must not be understanding what a grotto is. My only touch point for a grotto is the Playboy Mansion. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is a grotto in a Catholic context?
0: Uh, it's just like a, it's like a place for quiet and, and prayer, you know? Is there a pool? Well, there's water. It's water. Is it holy water? I think it's just regular water.
2: Okay. I mean, it could be sacrament. I mean, it could be a relic, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. A con- yeah I mean, you have catacombs. Catacombs could be a, a grave. Yeah,
1: catacombs for sure. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course Notre Dame has catacombs. I mean, there's going to be like a rock feature, I think, you know? <laughs> right. Also, like the Playboy Mansion.
0: Yeah. And Playboy general- Mansion
1: probably has catacombs.
0: Sure. Uh, All right. Yeah.
1: I, you know, Cove, when he said Cove, I was like, well, if Martin Cove's sponsoring us, it's, it's gotta be like a, a, a an actual Cove. And then I was sure, it's like like
0: Tourism thing? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So, Paige and Cole do this thing about, you know, neither of them is a very good friend. Uh, we don't see the Dark Order with Adam Page anymore. <laughs> Adam Cole, also not a good friend. Cole says, uh, Paige has always just been the other Adam. Paige gets mad. So then Cole switches it up on him, tells him he respects him. Can't wait to get in the ring with him. They shake hands. He starts to walk away. But Red Dragon attacks from behind and Cole joins him. Security came out to save, uh, including Dom Gurini with a mullet. And uh, then the Dark Order came out. Ten started attacking the security guys, and then Dark Order tried to stop him, but then he threw one of the security guys out of the ring. Glad to see that even though whatever his name is retired, they're still missing important shots.
1: Yeah, this was, um, you know, pretty fine, pretty good. If, if we had done a leader delete, delete, this would have been my delete just because I don't think the execution was quite there to make it especially stand out on this show, which was a very strong show. Um, you know Adam Cole, always extremely poised and professional, and comes across like a, a real guy, even when he's doing a weird wrestling promo where he's like, <laughs> they're making fun of how good of each of friends they are to each other. Um, not not especially compelling. Uh, Adam Page had to just kind of do his like, oh, I'm you know I I feel bad because I'm the sensitive babyface thing, and then didn't really get a chance to like dial up his you know, actual value or unique skills on the mic. Um, And then, you know, just kind of to set up a red dragon attack, that's fine. Dark order save, that's fine. Doing the thing with 10 where he kills the security guards, I think that's a good added beat on here where it's like they did something unique with it and you set 10 apart a little bit and then they're setting up 10 and Adam Cole, which is good because Adam Cole was selling for 10 big, Uh, but the security guard beating up was not especially well executed. I didn't think 10 didn't look super tough. It looked like a bunch of guys feeding to a not extremely experienced uh, pro wrestler and him doing, you know, one move to each of them. There was not like a bunch of fire or intensity there where it seems like this guy is really chewing through a bunch of goons. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was functional, but uh, I would say probably the weak link on this show.
2: Yeah. It, it felt a little stilted like i feel like that that's a, it did not feel like a smooth kind of segment so i uh, it it would have nate would have picked this as a delete. i had to find something else this probably was the thing i disliked the most on the show other than the one good thing that they have adapted from wwe is using local guys as security guards because we can go like oh <laughs> don begraney got a paycheck we already knew he was there but i was like that's fun so yeah and then i mean Ten's like the easy guy to feed to cole you know in the build-up here so made sense and
0: hey, Cole, and I mean, talking about Revolution earlier, Cole versus Paige, if that's also the match at Revolution, like this card is becoming quite sick. Uh, then we had a video for uh, Darby and Sammy, which was going to be the main event. Uh, basically, it was Darby saying he does crazy things to fill the void in his life. And it was only filled when he was TNT champion, so he needs to win. Effective, yeah. Indeed. Uh, then we had uh, Chris Jericho and a, a newly ripped Jake Hager taking on Santana and Ortiz. Uh, after they all came out, Eddie got his own entrance to a really huge pop, I thought, from the Nashville crowd. It was, that was nice. And then Santana pinned Chris Jericho to win after a discus lariat.
1: Yeah, uh, Hager looking ripped, Jericho also looking... Uh... Fit is a fiddle. He's slimmed down and his skin looks great and he's got new hair or whatever. Um, so that's just I don't know, kind of tickles me that uh Jericho like has renewed his renewed his vigor. I don't know. Um, you know, match was was pretty solid, I think. Uh you know, wasn't exceptional or anything. I got annoyed by Jer- by JR not understanding why Jericho took out Kingston on the apron when this whole program and this whole match has been about, you know, Kingston sowing seeds and, and turning Santana and Ortiz against Jericho. And, and going back even before that, it was about uh, uh, Jericho and Kingston not being okay with each other, saving the other when uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia were involved, I think. So it's been like a long simmering thing. And then JR is like, well, why do you do that? It's like, well, <laughs> because he's up on the apron and interfering on behalf of the other team. And he's been a thorn in his side for months at this point. Uh, But then we talked about this match that Santana had a great segment the other week uh, and they should, you know, uh, show that they're serious about elevating Santana and Ortiz or doing something with them. And they should have Santana pin Chris Jericho. And that's exactly what they did. So got to come away from it happy.
2: Yeah. You know, I, this match was probably going to be the weak leak on the show just because of people involved like Hager and like this. But it really kind of just uh, had everyone's positives. Hager, you know, he should only have uh, ever been used as a tag guy or in freak show matches. And, you know, he was finding this Jericho looked good. And, you know, Santana and Ortiz, I felt like that they came off. I felt like Santana getting the win there. Even though you had Hager and I know him penning Jericho means that he'll have a singles match against Jericho and Jericho will beat him because that's how they book here versus, you know, he pens Hager. I think it's his hands on Jericho. But I, I really like this, you know, then Eddie, Eddie's return was like the thing. I was like, wow. All right. I am really happy to see how crowds have kept Eddie in their heart. So that was really cool. Eddie's just a star.
0: Yeah, he's a top star. That's it. He's one of the top stars in the company. Absolutely. And he never I, wins he, big he, matches. I,
1: I don't know who you put Eddie across from that. He's not more over than. He was because <gasps> he got bigger he got the babyface reaction in the CM Punk thing. Right. And now he's get the babyface reactions against Chris Jericho. And, and against
2: Danielson. Danielson too. Yeah.
1: Da- I mean I think he would probably get a bigger babyface reaction than Paige.
0: Yeah. Cole. Adam, uh, would Cole? Be a, Adam Cole is a that's hard to say. Well,
1: yeah, but Cole's a heel so you kind of don't have to address it right now. Sure. That's
2: Yeah. No, yeah. oh, he's a it's huge a, star. It's a statement and not to belabor the previous point that Eddie comes back from the first time, you know, in like a month and a half, gets this huge eruption. Whenever Cody came back, it was less and less. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's kind of fascinating to me. But, yeah. Again, Eddie
0: is real. Like, he actually connects with you on that level that Cody only did because that's what we had, <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, he, this is the guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I
1: think, and I, I just now, just because it jumped into my head, um, kind of the most sincere and the most over... Cody that we saw was after the Wardlow cage match when he just got on the mic and cried about his dad and that's just like that's the truest form of probably who that guy is is a guy who idolized his dad and grew up in like a famous family and has you know the weird psychological things that come when you grow up that way maybe Um, and uh, yeah we just got weirder versions of him from that point forward kind of where he's like all right well now i'm like teflon and i can i can fix racism or whatever to borrow from a approaching tired meme
0: yeah cody just like i don't know i don't want to psychoanalyze him too much but it's like he just doesn't seem that capable of being as vulnerable as you have to be to be yourself, like to he he
1: is honest, but he's not vulnerable. I think that's Yes, that's good. There, yeah, there are a lot of times when he would go out there and he would say what appeared to be honest thoughts about who he is and the relationship that he has with this crowd. Uh but it you know, he just kind of always had a, a a feeling where he felt, you know, he felt like he was kind of Teflon or he can get away with saying these honest things because of who he is and, and where he is or whatever. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, a wrestling crowd loves to turn on somebody anyway. That's just fun to do. So, that you know, kind of fed into that.
2: I think he had a little bit of cachet from the whole, I'm not lying to you. I'm not going to fight for the title, but I think what he thought that cachet was and what it really was to the audience were two completely different things. And I think that's the story of Cody Rhodes. Well, especially when he won the TNT title three times or whatever the fuck. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. what does
0: this really mean? Uh, J-Pop in the YouTube chat wants us to know that Martin Cove was one of the least objectionable CIA assets in First Blood Part Two, but he did leave Rambo to die in a POW camp. Damn, Martin. Oh, Damn. I, saw Rambo.
1: I saw Rambo First Blood and then I saw like Rambo 5 where he went to. Myanmar and just slaughtered people in horrific ways for like two hours.
2: Yeah, but but here's the thing. He was the bad guy as the CIA analyst. You know? Imperialism. What's, uh... uh, Who's your favorite Martin?
1: Well, Martin Short jumped into my mind because I was just uh, listening to a podcast about Father of the Bride. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We got Martin Lawrence also.
2: Yeah. Martin Perez, former Texas Rangers pitcher. Pops in my head, sure. Hmm. Martin Luther. I mean, but that ranks Martin probably Luther pretty. That probably some, ranks pretty high, you know, for some big people. feces. Yeah, forty nine T- of them.
1: Feces from that dude.
2: <laughs> famous Martins. Scorsese, obviously. Scorsese. No, yeah.
1: Scorsese did not jump to
2: mind. Uh, the most famous. Yeah, Luther King.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah sure. that's that's not to uh, you know. I don't want to engage in my own McMahonism, but that's probably the runaway choice.
2: Sure, Martin
0: Sheen we haven't mentioned. Yeah, Martin, Van oh, Buren. Like
1: Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Fine performance in Mass Effect 2. <laughs> Martin Brundle.
2: <laughs> Mike. Oh yeah, I mean uh, multiple time F one podium uh, winner true. Martin Brundle. Marcine
0: Gortat. Mm, that's pushing Does that it. count. <laughs> What about Marty Robbins? Does that count?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean Texas cowboy songwriter Marty Robbins, well, Martin Godur. Okay. We're gonna have to pick. So you're gonna have to pick your favorite Is that a hockey Martin. player. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think it's it's you know Luther King and then probably Scorsese,
2: right? I'm gonna go Lawrence. I'm gonna go Martin Lawrence. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think Nate had the right list, maybe, with Amer- with Americans that remember civics class. Van Buren's probably up there. Mm. Yeah. Not a Van Buren guy. Yeah, and no, I'm anti-Van Buren. Yeah, Buren. I mean, not a great guy, Martin Van Buren. But, like, I mean, he was a president. We had a presidential Martin. <laughs> oh, we do a, You know what? It is President's
0: Day coming up, so just out of respect, maybe. That's true. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> That's right. We always respect the presidents on everything elite. Uh, you
1: know, if you don't, if you don't, you don't have to respect Martin Van Buren as a person, but you've got to respect the
2: office. That's right. Dignity, dignity to the office.
0: Tony Khan, if you want us to stop uh, criticizing your actions, you have to name yourself president of AEW. He might already be right. He might be. I don't yeah. Know. No. No. Let, let me look at the
2: last like press release that I got well, from him
0: again. We're criticizing Tony Khan, the person. We respect the office of president. of (laughs) What he
1: has to do is he has to, uh, you know, take back all that, um, all those tweets he was doing, denying that he was running for office and he has to run for president.
2: Absolutely. There we go. Yeah. So uh, founded by CEO, GM and head of creative. He is not the president. Yes.
1: The GM. That's an interesting title to choose for yourself. Hey, I'm just he's mad looking he's at, not the
2: GM of the Jaguars. I'm sure it, it it's something like the list of names that he that they have in the about AEW section is basically everyone who has ever worked for the company, with the exception of Cody and Brandy. At this point, Ethan Nate Page has, is on the list.
0: They have Sacco for some reason.
2: Yeah, <laughs> now it's
0: Sifle. It's Sifle. <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> right, isn't that the right color for Siffle? or was that Ollie, bro? I don't Bad. know. I'm I'm becoming impatient about the, the <laughs> speed at which we're going through this show. <laughs> We're getting
0: close. All right. A- Adam Cole, young Bucks, Red Dragon backstage. Uh it's Bucks, Red Dragon, Dissension. Uh Cole won't pick who he's gonna follow after.
1: I just uh <laughs> I know I was just complaining about it's pointless asides. Uh it struck me during this that like these teams and these five guys really have known each other and worked together and traveled together for many years, right? I mean, I don't know how many years exactly, but, you know, you had uh, the whole IWGP Junior Tag Division that was Young Bucks and Red Dragon, and then you have all the Ring of Honor history and Adam Cole and and Adam, no, Kyle O'Reilly going back and further than that. Um, And I read a oral history, no, I read an article about uh, the Barry Levinson film Diner today and how it was just about you know, these guys who have known each other their whole lives and just having a, a, a night in a diner and, like, dealing with these big life events like marriage and, oh, your friends are getting married and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, that's, like, oh, a critically acclaimed Barry Levinson film about old high school buddies who are, like, approaching adulthood and stuff. Uh, and the, the core of this promo was, like, oh great yeah good job Kyle you had one kid well I had two kids and he was like oh I had three kids and I was just like (laughs) a funny crystallization of pro wrestling where it's like you take your oldest friends who you've been around the world with uh and you love uh they're celebrating the first of their the birth of their first child and then you shit talk them because they haven't had as many kids for you
0: as you that's pro wrestling baby that's right no DQ match, Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rose. Kyle O'Reilly,
1: kind of funny now.
0: I don't want to go that far, Nate. Let's, let's, let's let it play it was out. Funny in this? I did, but you know, could have been a one off.
2: Let's wait and see.
0: He uh, seems like he's got confidence
1: in it.
2: I think That's... he might have his groove back. We might be seeing the reemergence of the fish is, tank. Is this, Kyle O'Reilly,
1: is this his groove back or his, his, his emperor's new groove?
0: Yeah, he's never been funny, so it would have to be right. new i th- I thought the fish tank stuff was funny but that's just me I uh, I'll, I don't recall his
1: performance in the fish tank but I was you know blinded by the star power of Bobby fish so that's
0: that might be on me uh Rosa won with the fire Thunder driver on chairs uh, after the match Mercedes and Rosa respect each other Britt rebel Jamie came out Martin Cove says I told you she was weak now finish her uh, they attack Rosa and Martinez
1: so this was the Was my favorite match on the show, I think. It was, like, a mess. Uh, and there were crazy, like, near misses and near-death experiences. You had Mercedes going right through the ringside guardrail and hitting the back of her head on the pavement, maybe. Uh, and then Rosa doing a crazy dive off the guardrail in the stands. And it, like, wobbling and her slipping and almost falling off that and then doing a crazy dive. Uh, Rosa breaking the table that they set up on the outside during the ad break where she was like you know losing her mind went to look for another table couldn't get another table set up so then she went back to the first table and set it up you know all corkscrew and they went through that table in a painful fashion and then fucking brutal spider german and mercedes slipping on the top rope elbow uh and looking like she might kill thunder rosa there uh and all these things really came together to make this a uh fantastic bit of pro wrestling television i thought um so i was i was happy with this
2: yeah, this ruled. This was, like, the right part of going off the rails, but not hurting anyone. But it's insane. Like, the, the one thing on the show after the deathmatch, Nate, last week, that actually had me go, like, this could go really bad was Rosa jumping off the handrail. Because that looked really, like, did not know if the handrail could really take much more of that. But, I mean, this was exactly kind of what you were, you would hope for this. And, you know, we have the clear direction now towards the inevitable uh, Brit versus Rosa for the title. So I thought this was a win across the board.
1: Yeah, and they zagged me a little bit, too, because they, you know, maybe they're going Thunder Rosa and Mercedes teaming up now, which is, uh, you know, not what I was expecting this to go to. But I think, uh, you know, it is a good way to keep Rosa opposite this Brit Baker unit that I don't think you need to be in any rush to break up, so.
0: Oops. Yeah. And Rosa, Mercedes versus Brit and Jamie is a fun match. So that's a, it's a cool thing to do. Uh, yeah, but I, I love this. My only criticism was when they do an ODQ match, I just want blood. I just expect blood and there was no blood in the match.
1: Well, you know, we'll get there in time because they do three hardcore matches per week. Uh, and you know, they're only going to dial up the gimmicks on the pay-per-view. We already got a dog collar match. So I'm not worried about it. We'll get there.
0: It's going to be a bloody pay-per-view. It's a bloody promotion. It is. There was a House of Black video, and the key to this was that I, I guess Buddy Murphy is going to be in the House of Black. Uh...
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to give Buddy Murphy a chance. I have ne- i don't think I've ever seen a match of his, uh, but I understand he's like uh, the WWE's version of Kenny Omega or whatever. Uh, and he, he, he looks big. He's got big muscles. He looks athletic. Uh, it sounds like he can do some cool moves, and cool moves are one of, of course, the two key elements of good pro wrestling. The other element is acting like a badass. Now, I don't think doing Kenny Omega cosplay is exactly acting like a bad- badass. I think that's kind of the opposite of acting like a badass. But if he's going to be spooky here with uh, Malachi Black and Brody King, then uh, maybe they find a way for him to be a badass instead.
2: I, it, It's going to take a lot for me to be all right about buddy matthews murphy i just think that you know doing cosplay and pretending that's good wrestling is basically the most cynical form for wrestling so yeah whatever what
0: what was the uh what was the tag team called that he was
2: in in nxt oh the dubstep cowboys okay that wasn't their actual name no it was murphy and the guy who's now blake and murphy blake Blake and and murphy yeah wesley blake uh because uh Wesley Blake now is wrestling on EC three produce shows as a cowboy. He's not lost that edge. Thank God. You, did you see any of those matches, Nate?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I might have seen them come out with Alexa Bliss one time. They were maybe all watching all wearing red. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yep. I think I think that's my only memory of that was
0: Blake B-A-M-F, Murphy. A-M-F, the Blake-Alexa-Murphy factor. <laughs> that, that, you know, and that Wh- look what where Alexa Bliss is at now. <laughs> yeah. And we had a Jay White pre-tape that I was pretty confused about, but I think he said that if Kenny hadn't left New Japan, there would be no AEW, and that somehow yeah. built this match for Rampage.
2: Yeah.
1: I thought it was uh, uh, pretty decent. Uh, you know, like I said, I I think, or I said this on the Patreon, actually, I think Jay White has uh, good performance skills for American pro wrestling, where he's always very confident, and he's got a certain uh, swagger about him. I don't know. And he's got, you know, the ju- just the right amount of accent to always sound vaguely menacing. And yeah, he said, if I hadn't beaten Kenny Omega for the IWGP US championship, then he never would have left New Japan and Come started aw which I don't know if the timeline exactly checks out, but I think it's close enough that you can kind of stir those memories in people's minds and go, that's right. That was a big thing for Kenny Omega when he was the first champion. Uh and then Jay White eked out that win against him. Um, and then you know, Jay White eventually goes and joins Brollet Club while the elite are leaving on the cruise and all this stuff. Um so I think there's something there. He called himself the Catalyst. That's a pretty decent name. You know, it's maybe a little maybe a little the architect adjacent, but uh yeah, I I, I like Jay White.
2: Yeah, I've always liked Jay White. I liked him more as a babyface, though, when he was like an ROH as a babyface and as a young lion. I he has it. I mean, him versus Trent is a sick match, so I'm stoked for it. I thought he was like compelling.
0: Like I, I, I liked the promo mechanically. I just didn't understand what he was talking about or why I was supposed to care about it. That was all.
1: Yeah. Well, if I remember back, that was when Jay White was in Chaos uh before turning on Chaos. This was after turning on Kenny Omega and then joining Chaos and they turned on Chaos to be the leader of the Bullet Club. Um but didn't didn't Kenny win the IWGP heavyweight title after that? Because then he he defended it against Tanahashi I think.
0: I don't know. Thoros will tell us tomorrow. Well, here's I mean, here's, here's the us. main
1: here's the main takeaway is it gave Jay White an excuse to say I beat Kenny Omega in his accent, which is the
0: subject of a funny tweet. <laughs> uh yeah, so Jay White, and then we had the main event for the TNT title, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Sammy won with the GTH after Andrade interfered. After the match, Matt Hardy attacked. Andrade attacked Sammy, held up the belts. Sting came into the ring, and Hardy and Andrade bailed. Yeah, I mean, both these guys always deliver to me. Uh, and when they're against each
1: other, they extra deliver. Uh, going back to, uh, I know they had a match in AEW. That was great. They had a, a blow-away match in AEW. That was the first match on whatever pay-per-view that was that I still remember. Um, And, you know, they just have too many fucking crazy spots and are too crazy and do crazy things. Uh, And this match was full of them. Had the sick cutter on the outside. Had the eating shit on the apron swanton. Just big crazy spots. And then I popped big for Jose the assistant. He's like my favorite character in wrestling. Uh, And he outsmarted Mr. Stink. He came in as the diversion to draw Mr. Stink out and get him away from the match so that Andrade could interfere because, of course, Andrade wants the belt. He wants to sign the Child Derby to his stable, uh, and that all amused me greatly. Uh, and then Matt Hardy came out and, and beat him up, um, and that that was that's less compelling, I think. But hey, they can do Andrade versus Sammy. That'll be great. They can do Andrade versus Darby. That'll be great. They can do Jose and Andrade versus Darby and Sting. That'll be great. Um, all sorts of winning constellations here.
2: Yeah. This. Rocked. I again, more, as Nate was alluding to, more direction there. Uh, I just like the idea that Darby, when he takes these bumps, he just really needs to crack his back really bad because there was a lot of that. Like the Chicago skyline bump was sick, and then even I mean, Sammy doing the apron cannonball sent on and completely like eating it. It, it just rocked, and it was something that like. And I don't wanna like go back to it again, but it it's something that's very notable that the two people that you know Cody really put the touch on and at least for like widespread eyes, not necessarily people who are tuned into it, they may event the first uh dynamite after he leaves the company for the belt that Cody first won, so I thought that was kind of. An interesting thing about it. But yeah, this rocked in, you know, Uh, Matt Hardy has the uh, Cody energy, and I'm glad that we got to see that today.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. Um, You know, Cody did his first match on (sighs) fight, not fight for the Fallen. The other one?
2: Fighter Fest.
1: Fighter Fest. It was against Darby, the draw, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was Darby's introduction to AEW. Then, of course, the first TV match was... Cody and Sammy that's the whole lineage if you added Mr. Brody Lee of the TNT title there uh, they did Sammy set up for a crossroads at one point and Darby uh, reversed it into the figure four which Cody was using as a signature move also so very nice little allusions there
0: yeah and this I've kind of I guess I don't know if it was New Japan or how it all worked out but the kind of like billion reversals in a row thing i've just kind of grown weary of but i thought they had a really excellent sequence in this match where well a few actually where they did several kind of reversals the first one built around uh whatever that move that like the the stunner that darby does that they were building around that and into various moves and it it, finally that sequence ended with darby doing the dive and sammy hitting him with the cutter on the outside and it was just like Great, fluid, compelling, uh, just rocked. This was an excellent match. And I I think, I don't know if it was just because I enjoyed the rest of the show so much or just that I was able, you know, I just knew that it was coming, which didn't take a fucking, uh, you know, Dick Tracy to do fake Dick Tracy to do but I was just zen about the uh, (laughs) interference finish here I was just like okay I really enjoyed this match so whatever yeah
1: well and it was also I think last week every maybe not literally but it felt like every match ended in heel interference and I think this was one match on the show with heel interference for the finish right so you can have one it's more effective when it's one when you do it in every match it's just annoying it turns you off Uh, But yeah, on the reversals, you know, they've set up and established that these guys have wrestled a lot, and they've had matches in this company that people remember. Uh, So it makes sense that they've scattered out each other's moves, and they specifically did big reversals for each other's signature moves. Sammy did that, you know, standing backflip over the guy while he's running, and then he does like the corkscrew dropkick, and that's where Darby got his reversal in and dropkicked him instead. Uh, And then, you know, Darby's signature move is that the low pay, uh, and that got reversed, so all totally justified
0: i just think a lot of those end up being slow like those actual sequences it's like you know oh yeah we're kind of walking through this and this was super fluid and and very well done so i enjoyed it a lot they're pretty good they are good they're good pro wrestlers that was dynamite for this week if you enjoy our show head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up we have a bunch of stuff there we preview dynamite we talk about dark and elevation. We do world tour where we look at rampage. Uh, this weekend it will be me and Mike talking about rampage, and it's uh, 7 p.m. Eastern start this week, so a little different for rampage. Uh, we have a Discord you should join, and all you know it should be this should be true that on Monday we will drop the first part of this is sting. Mike and I are going to be talking about sting. From eighty five to eighty nine in uh, Memphis in the UWF and a little bit of uh, Crockett,
2: so I'm excited. Yeah, we're gonna get in some Power Team USA. One of my yes. favorite weird things that happened in the '80s in pro wrestling, so we'll I have can't Power wait to this. Power Team, Team USA.
0: Tomorrow. We'll have Freedom Fighters. We'll have Hot yes. Stuff International. I oh mean, God! And I have found some truly hilarious. Uh, Dave Meltzerisms uh, to include <laughs> of him talking about early Sting that I re- think is really going to delight people. So uh, sign up, we'll have that for you on Monday, Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. The Rampage that Mike and I'll be talking about this weekend is going to have Adam Cole versus Ten, Trent versus Jay White, uh, the Serena Deeb five-minute rookie challenge, and the Face of the Revolution qualifying match. Dante Martin versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Next week on Dynamite, they're going to be in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We've got the House of Black versus Penta and Pac. Eddie and Jericho We'll have a face-to-face conversation, and we'll have the Tag Team Battle Royale, which is different, apparently, from the Tag Team Casino Battle Royale. And the two winners are going to be in a three-way with Dress Express at Revolution, I think. That's the best sense I can make of that.
2: Yeah, I forget one of the one of the casino battle royals is you keep on going until like there's one team remaining and you can eliminate multi you can eliminate one member of your team and you're still in the match. There's another one that I think is not this. They they have so many battle royal variants that, you know, can't it's kinda it's kinda silly that like that they're booking this tag team match by saying, Well, we need to decide it, so let's have two battle royals to decide it and they're two different battle royals, but that's the decision Tony Khan has made. So, yeah, that's
0: what we'll be talking about next week. We'll Mike and I will preview that on Light over on the Patreon, and then we'll be back uh, next week to talk about that show after it happens. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at Epidacis. Mike is at FujiHeya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I forgot to hit the link tree earlier, linktra.ee slash EverythingAEW. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review iTunes, Spotify, and head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. That's the show. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.